0: Welcome, 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 everyone, to The Dark Parts, a show where we explore the darkest parts of history, the world, and your mind. I'm your host, Heath, and with me today, as always, is the lovely Queen of Scream, Daphne. How you doing, Daphne?
1: I'm doing very well today. Not much to report. I'm really excited to tell this story, though. How are you doing, Heath?
0: I'm doing really good, trying to cozy up in the cold season, getting ready for Christmas.
1: You know what's funny is, growing up in California, I never looked forward to when it was going to be summer because it was just kind of warm throughout the year. And now I'm actually looking forward to summer.
0: Yeah, I told you, if you live in Oregon long enough, the rain and the cold will definitely get to you.
1: I'm trying to appreciate it for what it is because I do like the cozy weather. So I I really am enjoying it, but I'm excited for summer too.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Summer is still a long ways away. So today we're going to talk about a tale from a very cold and dark land. I don't know if it's cold and dark all the time there, but we're going to talk about a tale from Iceland.
1: A place I would love to someday visit.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a really interesting place. Let's get into today's episode. Christmas. A time for togetherness and holiday cheer. But also a time when we find out if little Billy has been an asshole or not. Does he deserve that Star Wars Lego set he's been gunning for, or will he end up with coal in his stocking? But how do you really keep Billy off the naughty list? Well, you tell him that he better be good, or else he may not get that Lego set. But in Iceland during the 18th and 19th century, it wasn't about being good to get what you wanted. Oh, no, 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 no. It was about being good to avoid what you didn't want. So join us this week, strangers, as we take a trip to the last place on Earth settled by humans and a place where beer was banned until 1989. Can't believe it. As we explore the truly terrifying winter tale of Grilla and the Yule Lads.
1: Before we can lay out any of the details of this fucked up frozen folklore, we have to go back to where it all began. In the 17th century, a poem was created called Yoles Venenes, which I hope that's correct, and that translated to English means the Santas. The poem goes like this Let me tell the story of the lads of few charms who once upon a time used to visit our farms. Thirteen altogether, these gents in their prime didn't want to irk people all at one time. They came from the mountains, as many of you know, in a long single file to the farmsteads below. Creeping up all stealth, they unlocked the door, the kitchen and the pantry they came looking for.
0: Grilla was their mother. She gave them ogre milk, and the father, Lepelodi, a loathsome ilk. They hid where they could, with a cunning look or sneer, ready with their pranks when people weren't near. They were called the Yuletide lads, at Yuletide they were due, and always came one by one, not ever two by two, and even when they were seen, they weren't loath to roam, and play their tricks, disturbing the peace of the home.
1: The first of them was Sheep caught Claude. He came stiff as wood to prey upon the farmer's sheep as far as he could. He wished to suck the ewes, but it was no accident he couldn't. He had stiff knees, not too convenient.
0: The second was gully Gawk, gray his head and mean. He snuck into the cow barn from his craggy ravine. Hiding in the stalls, he would steal the milk, while the milkmaid gave the
1: cow herd a meaningful smile. Stubby was the third called a stunted little man who watched for every chance to whisk off a pan. And scurrying away with it, he scraped off the bits that stuck to the bottom and brims, his favorites.
0: The fourth was spoon liquor. Like spindle, he was thin. He felt himself in clover when the cook wasn't in. Then stepping up, he grappled the stirring spoon with glee, holding it with both
1: hands, for it was slippery. Pot scraper, the fifth one, was a funny sort of chap. When kids were given scrapings, he'd come to the door and tap. And they would rush to see if there was really a guest. Then he hurried to the pot and had a scraping fest. Bull Licker, the sixth
0: one, was shockingly ill-bred. From underneath the bedsteads, he stuck his ugly head. And when the bulls were left to be licked by the dog
1: or cat, he snatched them for himself. He was pretty good at that. The seventh was Door Slammer, a sorry vulgar chap when people in the twilight would take a little nap. He was happy as a lark with the havoc he would wreak, slamming doors and hearing the hinges on them squeak. Skyer
0: Gobbler the Eighth was an awful stupid bloke. He lambasted the Skyer tub till the lid on it broke. Then he stood there gobbling, his greed was well known, until about to burst, he would bleat, howl, and groan.
1: The Ninth was Sausage Swiper, a shifty pliferer. He climbed up to the rafters and raided food from there. Sitting on a crossbeam in soot and in smoke, he fed himself on sausage fit for gentlefolk.
0: The tenth was window peeper, a weird little twit. He stepped up to the window and stole a peek through it, and whatever was inside to which his eye was drawn, he most likely attempted to take later on.
1: Eleventh was door sniffer adultish lad and gross. He never got a cold, yet had a huge, sensitive nose. He caught the scent of lace bread while leagues away still, and ran towards it weightless as wind over dale and hill.
0: Meat Hook the twelfth one his talent would display as soon as he arrived on St. Thorlax's Day. He snagged himself a morsel of meat of any sort, although his hook at
1: times Was a tiny bit short. The thirteenth was Candle Beggar. 'Twas cold, I believe. If he was not the last of the lot on Christmas Eve, he trailed after the little ones, who, like happy sprites, ran about the farm with their fine tallow lights. On
0: Christmas night itself, so a wise man writes, the lads were all restraint and just stared at the lights. Then one by one they trotted off into the frost and snow, on twelfth night the last of the lads used to go. Their footprints in the highlands are effaced now for long, the memories have all turned to image and song.
1: So if you're completely confused right now, that's okay, because we're going to explain everything, and now you're probably thinking, oh, how cute, that sounds like a delightful little folklore poem, and no, it's absolutely not. Back in the 1600s, Icelandic parents were brutal. We've heard stories of tall tales used by parents to keep their children in line, and we've seen it in many different cultures. But this particular tale is scary enough to cause a child long-lasting psychological trauma. First, let's get to know Grela. Grilla was first mentioned in the 13th century compilation of Norse mythology but she wasn't originally tied to Christmas. She was described as a giantess, which is a very large woman, as I'm sure you figured out, that would roam the village asking for parents to give her their disobedient children. She had once lived in a small cottage in the town, but due to her insistent begging for shitty kids, the townspeople forced her into the mountains where she ultimately settled into a cave. And it's
0: just so weird. I can't even, like... Like imagine having this weird old lady in your town just being like, hey, you guys got bad kids? Just give them to me. I'll I'll take your bad
1: kids. I'm
0: sure some of those parents were like, "Mm, I don't know, maybe.
1: She's kind of like the Grinch, you know, because the Grinch lives up in the mountains. So she's essentially the Grinch.
0: Totally. And I feel like a lot of these stories have a lot of common details or, or sorry, not common details, but commonality among them. But the details are different. So according to the tale, somehow Grela had been married three times, her third husband being Lepalodi, and we'll talk about him in a minute. So while Lepalodi and Grilla are living in this cave, which is located in the Dimibogir lava fields, I think that's how you say it, I don't even know if that's
1: correct. <laughs> There's a lot of words in this one.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so they lived up there, while they were living up there, they had 13 children, So I guess when you're exiled from the community and you're stuck in a cave for years and years, you just end up banging a lot. They also lived in the cave with their black cat, which would be known as the Yule Cat, and we will also talk about the Yule Cat in a little bit. Now, I also read that Grilla was half ogre and half troll with hooves, horns, and 15 tails sporting a bunch of warts all over her face, but from the images I've seen, she kind of looks like a cross between a witch and a troll. Fifteen tails? How yeah. is that possible? I don't really know. That's just what I read. Uh, but yeah, I'm kind of getting this whole like she's kind of a witchy troll ogre woman. I can see it. So because Grela and her family lived far up in the mountains, they didn't have a lot of options for food. So she would send her sons down off the mountain and into the nearby villages to snatch up misbehaving children. And haul them off in a sack. Once they were in the cave, Grilla would throw the children into a boiling pot and then turn them into stew for supper.
1: Jeez.
0: So yeah, she would basically just eat children. And the kids. children would eat children? Well, the children aren't really children. The Yule lads really aren't children at this point. They're kind of like grown men trolls. Oh my god. That's that's, so weird. that's what they're described as.
1: The only thing really known about Lepalodi is that he is extremely lazy and pretty much just sits around the cave all day while the Yule lads fetch the food and Grela cooks it up.
0: Yeah, and I also read that he's kind of described as like a pathetic person, so he's inferior to Grela for sure.
1: And not only is he pathetic, but he's pretty complacent when it comes to eating children. This story eventually evolved into a Christmas tale and essentially a way for parents to make sure that their children behaved. In fact, kids were so scared that they were going to be eaten by grilla that they stopped leaving their homes altogether, which is so sad but funny.
0: (laughs) I know, like, this shit is intense.
1: Of course, this really wasn't a healthy thing, so in 1746, the government actually had to ban parents from using the story as an intimidation tactic to keep their kids obedient.
0: The government was basically like, okay guys, I know you've been having fun driving your kids into madness with this witch story, but maybe you guys should just chill out a bit.
1: Exactly.
0: After this, the story was kind of watered down a bit, but honestly, not by very much. Because Grilla's Yule Cat that we mentioned earlier was said to prowl the countryside, and anyone, adult or child, who wasn't wearing a new article of clothing by Christmas Eve was devoured by the large cat. And apparently, the Yule cat was actually created by farmers as incentive for their workers to finish processing the autumn wool before Christmas. So, the ones who worked hard would receive new clothing, and the ones who didn't wouldn't get anything, and if you didn't have anything... The Yule Cat would scarf that ass down. So farmers use this to kind of, as an intimidation tactic, just like the story of Grilla, essentially.
1: So you got to be scared of Grilla, the Yule Lads, and the freaking cat.
0: Exactly. And some versions say that Grilla's cat would only steal food from your Christmas feast if you didn't possess new clothing, but we like the R-rated version a little bit better because it's, I don't know, it's a little more spicy.
1: It's funny because Grilla and the Yule Lads totally sounds like it would be like a really weird folk band, you know? I wonder if anyone has named their band after this.
0: That sounds like it's pretty plausible, actually. I wonder if there's like an Icelandic folklore or folk folk style band that's named Grilla and the Yule Lads. There should be. Like, that's just it just works. It totally works. If
1: you're in Iceland and you want to start a band, here's an idea.
0: There you go. We got a name for you.
1: Speaking of the Yule Lads let's talk about them. We mentioned them earlier in the episode, and they consist of Sheepcoat coat clawed, gully gawk, stubby, spoon licker, pot scraper, bowl licker, door slammer, skyer gobbler, sausage swiper, window peeper, doorway sniffer, meat hook, and last but not least, candle stealer. I don't know how these names were created.
0: Yeah, I don't know how they were created either, but they sound really nice in Icelandic. Like they sound like very, like uh, they flow really well in Icelandic.
1: Well, based on the poem, it's, it seems like they're really literal names. Like window peeper is a window peeper, sausage swiper eats sausages. Like it's just very literal.
0: Yeah, exactly. So like, for example, window peeper sounds like this
1: that sounds better
0: it just does it sounds a lot better than window peeper yeah
1: it's funny though because I think it sounds better to us because we can't make that direct translation but someone in Iceland would be like yeah that's just window peeper
0: yeah exactly yeah you guys just said window peeper congratulations
1: like, it's just like when people say that they love how French language sounds, and in France, they're just like, this is just how we talk.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, as Americans, I feel like we... We
1: romanticize a lot of That's things. what I was going
0: to say. Yeah, we romanticize different languages because we're, you know, because we're fucking lame. I'm <laughs> just kidding.
1: <laughs> Enough about foreign language. Back to the Yule lads. All these little bastards were prank players. They were very mischievous. But in the later tellings of the story, they could bring joy depending on whether or not you've been naughty or nice. The Yule lads were known to wear red and white suits, much like Santa Claus. And one by one, in the 13 nights leading up to Christmas, they would travel down the mountain to bring gifts to children. So they're basically little asshole Santa Clauses who could be nice.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And it's just funny because... When I was reading this, or when I was researching this episode, I was like, I wonder what the equivalent of Santa is in, like, different countries. And, well, it turns out there's 13 Santa Clauses, and they're the Yule Lads in Iceland.
1: It's so interesting to, to realize that Christmas isn't the same everywhere. Like, the traditions and the, the legends and the stories are not the same everywhere.
0: Right, and I think that we get so clouded, and we—I mean, I personally forget to realize that there are other holidays that people celebrate during this time of year. Like, for example, the Jewish religion and Hanukkah.
1: Yeah. Growing up in Southern California, I had a lot of Jewish friends and one of my best friends is Jewish. And so every year when we would make latkes and, and celebrate it with his family, it was really fun. And it is really fun to experience different people's holidays and their the way that they celebrate this time of year that's different from the way I celebrate it.
0: Yeah, I think the great thing about this time of year, though, is that no matter what, everybody kind of celebrates this time of year as a joyful, cheerful, everybody-get-together type of thing.
1: Unless you were naughty, in which case the Yule Lads would get you. So as a child, you would place one of your shoes on your windowsill, and if you were good, you'd get a gift. If you were bad, you got a rotten potato in your shoe.
0: I can just imagine... All these parents just being like, you little fucker, you're getting a fucking (laughs) potato this year.
1: (laughs) I think that's worse than getting (laughs) coal.
0: Yeah, seriously, you get a rotting potato in your shoe. That's (laughs) horrible. That's so sad. (laughs) So on top of this seemingly strange event, the Yule Lads also had their individual pranks that they would pull that corresponded with their names, like we mentioned earlier. Although the pranks were somewhat tame by this point there was a certain element of uneasiness about them. Like, I can only just imagine sitting in bed at night and looking out the window to see a bearded creepy dude just peeping through your window. No thanks. Or coming to the kitchen at midnight to, like, grab a glass of water and realizing that there's a guy standing in a dark corner staring at you while licking all the spoons in your house. Like, it's it's just fucking weird. Oh my god, I hate that. Bull liquor is said to have stolen bowls of food That was kept underneath the bed. So he's he's creepy. He's under your bed. Yeah, but that's not the weird part about that. (laughs) The weird part (laughs) is that people (laughs) had bowls of food. under. So I guess back in the day, Icelanders used to store bowls of food underneath their beds, which I would assume is for some sort of late night snacking. I was going to say, nice work, Iceland. I like your style. But then I realized that this story was created before packaged food. And I changed my mind.
1: What are you going to put down there?
0: I don't know. I can't even imagine the amount of dust bunnies those people probably found in their tomato soup. Like, oh, God, what, like, Like, you know what I mean? Like, what kind of food did you keep under there? Bread, soup,
1: pasta? Like, I don't know. Whatever it is, it's not going to keep, so...
0: Yeah, pretty nasty.
1: So I was a little bit confused about the lad, candle beggar until I read that because Iceland can be extremely cold and dark in the winter, and because there's no heaters aside from a fireplace or electricity that was available at least back in this day Icelandic people really cherished their candles they were a really sought after item so if your best candle somehow went missing around christmas it's probably cuz your child's a little bit of a dick i also had to look up skyr gobbler <laughs> i feel like every time i say that it's skyr gobbler because i had no idea what that meant and apparently skyr is icelandic for yogurt so this particular Yule Lad would steal your yogurt, which I guess was a very popular treat in Iceland. Sheepcoat Claude is just this weird little titty sucker who steals the milk from your goats. <laughs> it's just, just a weird little titty sucker. I don't like that thought. Like, like leave the goat alone. What the fuck? Door slammer. <laughs> well, he just slams doors at night. So he, he's, just, <laughs> he's kinda, just rude. He's
0: just a rude guy.
1: In the early versions of this Icelandic folklore, the Yule Lads were also described as being trolls like their mother and father, Grilla and Lepilodi.
0: Yeah, so, because it's funny, because you originally thought that they were going to be just like little children, right? Isn't that kind of what you thought the Yule Lads were?
1: I think because Yule Lads, and I think of this like witchy troll woman, I just am picturing like little dwarfs, like in Snow White. That's what I'm picturing. Not necessarily, I guess I thought children because I wasn't sure how much time had passed, but I'm mostly thinking of like the seven dwarves. Is it seven?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and you're actually kind of correct there because in the later versions of this story, the Yule Lads become like these little cheerful, like little troll men. Just and, like Snow White. Exactly. And they're like fun and they're like cheerful and they bring gifts and they're not evil in any way. But their name is their names are still Spoonlicker and, and fucking Door Slammer, so that never changed.
1: Right. And yeah, today you can find a bunch of really silly photos, but it is interesting to know that at least at the beginning of this tale when it was created, that was not the case.
0: Yeah, and I think it's really interesting to go back and take a look at a lot of different folklore stories because, I mean, if you think about like stories like Cinderella or even Snow White, like. Those stories at one point were horror stories that were changed and manipulated into children's stories over time.
1: Yeah, I, you know what? I always forget that. Just like the, the Grim Shit, what
0: is it? Uh, the Brothers Grimm. The
1: Brothers Grimm, yes. It's so funny to think about that, that these were not happy stories, and then someone was like, let's make them for kids.
0: Yeah, let's turn this negative story into a positive story. So a lot of history there as well. So even though this story started out really terrifying, there is somewhat of an explanation as to why parents use the story of Gríla to terrify their kids. So winter in Iceland was a dangerous time. Not only was the weather brutal, but temperatures dropped as low as negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit or negative 30 degrees Celsius. But the winter months were dark and food was also very scarce. So obviously back in the day, uh, resources were very limited. So this required every family member to be very diligent in their preparations for the storms ahead. Because obviously there's blizzards, the weather is just kind of crazy. So a lot of children would disobey their parents and leave home for a number of different reasons. To go hang out with friends or to do whatever they do. And some would never return either getting lost in the blizzards or just eventually just getting lost in the snow and they would end up dying out in this cold and dark weather. So some believe that Grilla was a good way to not only get their kids to obey them,
1: but also kind of to keep them out of danger. I get it now. I get it. Like that makes sense. If especially in these cold temperatures, and that's the thing about kids is kids obviously don't think about it from the adult's point of view where it's like we're trying to keep your ass safe. And they're like, well, you're just you just don't want me to hang out with my friends or whatever. But kids don't understand it from the real point of view. So I I get it.
0: I sort of get it. I think that they could have done a little better, a little bit better of a job making it less terrifying. But I do understand the need to keep your family safe. And also the fact that during this time before winter, there's the harvest going on. So there's a lot of work to be done to make sure that your family has food through the winter and to make sure that nobody dies in the snow.
1: What's really interesting to me is that before modern times and before Iceland was more developed, a large portion of citizens of the country actually believed that trolls were real.
0: Yeah, and not only trolls, but they believed like elves and ogres and trolls and that whole thing was real.
1: Maybe they are. I don't know. I've never seen one, but maybe they are. Let's give it a chance. So meaning that in the beginning... Greela most likely was believed to be true and not a made-up story for children. Because even though kids are a little bit easy to be tricked on what's real and what's not, if people believed in trolls, then people probably believed that Greela was real, and maybe she was. Yeah. So even though the Yule Lads seemed to transform, like we said, more into characters reminiscent of Snow White's dwarves, The story of Grilla never changed from the evil, child-eating, mountain troll she's always been.
0: Yeah, so it's funny that one part of this story changed, which is the Yule Lads being a little less mischievous and evil, but Grilla, for example, she never changed in the story. She was always, and still to this day, is the evil mountain troll.
1: Which makes sense because even if you think of Snow White or any other fairy tale, there's always an evil character. So it does make sense. There
0: always has to be one.
1: So people now see the Yule Lads as silly and entertaining Santa-like trolls who spread cheer during the holiday season. But like we said, you know, they definitely weren't always that way.
0: Yeah, it's kind of funny because I know that there's festivals that go on in Iceland that celebrate the Yule Lads. Oh,
1: that would be so fun. That's probably happening right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so there's, there's like these older men that dress up as each Yule Lad, and they're cheerful, and they kind of just entertain the crowd and whatnot from the pictures that I saw. But I think that that's really interesting how all of that changed over time.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Each year, thousands of people enjoy smoked lamb and decorate a Christmas tree in Iceland, like we do here in the U.S. and in a lot of other places. It's also tradition to boil fish on the 23rd, which is called skate, and then also to receive a new book to read on Christmas Eve. And fun fact, due to Iceland's very high literacy, it's estimated that one in 10 Icelanders will write and publish a book, which I think is so cool.
0: That is incredible. Yeah, they are very articulate.
1: Like, what's it like to live in a country full of intelligent people and not total idiots?
0: Yeah, it's kind of amazing when you think about it, because there's the population of Iceland, I think, is somewhere around like 380,000 yeah, people. It's, it's like way smaller than I realized. Yeah, it's about twice the size of the town that Daphne and I live in right now. So but you think about one in 10 people writing and
1: publishing their own book. That's pretty amazing. It's seriously so cool. To this day, Grela and the Yule lads story lives on without most people knowing the true terror in the folklore.
0: And I'm actually curious to know how many Icelanders actually know the the original story of Grela and the Yule lads. And we have an Icelandic listener of our other show going west, so
1: maybe we could ask her. I, I will ask her. She um, I think she might listen to the Dark Parts too. Her name is Lara. She's super nice. And I don't know if we have other Icelandic listeners, but if we do, please let us know and let us know if you know about this whole entire tale. Not only was Christmas a time to bring together your family and friends for holiday feasts and celebration, but it was a time for elves, trolls, and other magical creatures believed to have lived in the region. Grilla is essentially the ruler of Iceland and the matriarch who can be witnessed in many ways throughout the capital of the country.
0: Yeah, I think there's actually like a bunch of statues of Grela. i I'm not sure if that's true, but I think I read that.
1: Well, it seems this sanitized folk story isn't going anywhere anytime soon.
0: So, strangers, what did we learn today? We learned that if you really hate someone and you want them dead... Just make sure you don't gift them any clothing for Christmas, and the Yule Cat will do the rest. We also learned that leaving a snack under your bed is only acceptable if it's an unopened package. Don't be a little weirdo and leave a bowl of leftover spaghetti under there for later. <laughs> Unless you like having a throat full of toenail clippings and hair. Ew. And last, but certainly not least, we learned that for the love of God, be good, you little Icelandic children, because instead of a piece of coal in your stocking, you could end up with little troll men licking your silverware or pots and pans, or even worse, you could end up being shit out of a
1: troll lady's wart-covered fucking ass. Oh my god. <laughs> Today's horror tip comes to you from the 2008 Swedish film Let the Right One In. Ah, oh, such a great movie. It is really good. It's best to be kind to others and not pick on them or make fun of them. Because you never know if that person's girlfriend is a vampire who will end you and your shitty little bullying friends like a boss-ass bitch. She is a boss.
0: Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of The Dark Parts. Yes,
1: thank you guys so much. We have so much fun doing this show, as we always say. If you want to help to support the show, just tell a friend about us. Because word of mouth and sharing this podcast is the best way to help it grow. Also, if you want to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, if you really like us, that also helps us get noticed. It means a lot.
0: Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to this show. Remember, we also have Dark Parts merch on our website, thedarkparts.com. Like Daphne said, tell a friend, leave a review. Thank you so much for listening.
1: As many of you know, The Dark Parts comes out every Thursday evening, but the last two Thursdays of the month are on holidays. So Heath and I have decided to take those two days off or those two weeks off really to kind of get some much needed time away from the screen, maybe go out into the snow and have some fun. And I hope you guys can have a nice little holiday break as well. But next week, we will be back with another winter tale.
0: Exactly. We'll have an episode for you guys next week. But the two weeks after that, we are going to be skipping. So we will see you guys actually in the new year. In 2021, bitches, yeah! Let's see how she treats us. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. In the Dark
1: Parts.